Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. It's a quick app to set up, it's easy to use, the checkout process is just two taps, that's basically liking a cat or a dog on Instagram, in that amount of time you've got tickets to your sports, concerts, or show events. Well now, GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit, so here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Player App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then, under the Billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people, at the holidays. Credit is available only for the first thousand people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year, which is December 31st, 2019, so make those moves quick and score those last-minute tickets. Hello and welcome to a new edition of the Boarding Pass at the Athletic with Ken Weeb and myself, Murata Tesh. In Winnipeg Jetsland, we've got Paul Marie speculation. We've got some Dustin Bufflin updates to give you. Ken's written a spectacular feature on Andrew Kopp and the moment he realized that he's living two lives or he wished he could see how his other life would have went. We've got the return of Eric Comrie. We've got injury updates. We have so many different things going on as December works to a close in Winnipeg Jetsland. Ken, how are you today? Good to see you. I am uh, excellent, thanks. And uh, thanks again for battling through. Uh, Man, our our listeners are going to think you're on IR all the time, but you're just continuing to battle through these uh, (laughs) December injuries here. Impressive job. Hey, I feel well covered. This is one of the advantages of having a a full team beginning to build here at the Athletic Winnipeg. You've been carrying the mail this week. Um, We've got a players poll where we're going to get some behind-the-scenes opinions of Winnipeg Jets Uh, as part of an NHL-wide story that goes in 2020. When that comes up, uh, it's one of my favorite articles that we do every year, and uh, Ken's already spoken to 10 or 14. 14, Ken? How many of you? You're covering a lot of ground, finding out some behind-the-scenes facts from these fellas. Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, obviously, some uh, some fun questions and uh, a couple of, couple of uh, super stumpers, but uh, for the most part... Uh, when it's anonymous, players are a little more forthcoming, I think. But uh, I think folks are going to really enjoy that when it comes out in uh, mid-January there, for sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's a one I look forward to. One that I just loved. And uh, I told you when we were talking about it in advance, because you put a lot of work into the Andrew Cop feature story, and you talked to a lot of people. Uh, you worked with editors. You know, you put the time into this piece. And I was so compelled by the line that he wished that Andrew Kopp wished yeah. sometimes that he has two lives so he could see how the other one would go. And for me, that trans like, I have a moment, I, I think everybody has a moment or two where you're like, I wonder what if the fork went the other direction. Yeah. Um, and I've been so curious as to how you found this story with Andrew Kopp, how you pursued it, how you went so deep with it. And, and because there's so much there, I know for a fact that there's even more than, than, than made the final cut. Sure, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's one of those uh, really fun stories, and the the beauty of our platform is that you can dig a little deeper into the into the past. I mean, for most folks uh, who watch Andrew Cop or just simply uh, pull up the Hockey DB page, uh, you know, looks like a 
looks like a pretty linear path. Uh, you got U.S. National Development Team, you got University of Michigan, you got the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, when Andrew Kopp uh, was in high school, I mean, this guy was not just a, a casual two-sport athlete. He was a star quarterback uh, at Skyline High School and uh, was getting some legit hype. Uh, he had a 557-yard passing game, not season, in one game, That's he tossed insane. for 557 yards. And the classic part of talking with both his coach, Rod Jones, a former NFLer, and Andrew himself, uh, I mean, that other classic line from the story was, man, the game was going great, and then you looked up and the and the clock said zero, and his team lost 52 to 49. Uh, <laughs> just, just an absolutely, his classic line, oh shit, we lost. Like, I mean, you, you, have, a, you have a game to remember, and... And still find a way to come up on the losing end in a game that combined for over a hundred points. So, I mean, people have seen it. Andrew Kopp has, you know, tossed the ball around, whether it's at the rink or on the sidelines at Winnipeg Blue Bombers games or things of that nature. But this guy was a legit option to be a Division One quarterback, and. Uh, I know I joked about it with him. He's a little bit young for uh, prime time and Bo Jackson. I mean, he would have seen the YouTube videos, but uh, I mean, this is a guy that had legit opportunity. And at one point before breaking his collarbone, uh, one of the schools he had talked to, the University of Minnesota, there was some discussion as to how could they find a way to have him do both, play quarterback and in the season and then play hockey, uh, you know, sometimes dual, but I mean, obviously football is once a week and hockey's on the weekend, but it would have been a challenge, but he certainly wondered uh, what might've happened had that transpired. And he'd be on a cereal he box, only... Ken, he'd be on a cereal box, get him his yeah. cereal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it was just so fun, just such a fun story. I mean, we knew when Andrew arrived that he was a, you know, pretty good player, but this, having the extra time uh, at the athletic i mean i was able to spend over a week on the story and uh andrew was kind enough to to help me connect with so many influential people in his past and i uh, had a great chat with his father andy and it just was a, like one of those stories that was super fun to put together and also one of the tougher ones because i had 6700 words transcribed from my six or seven interviews from you know to players past present and and things of that nature. So, I mean, now you're tr- it gets difficult because you know you can't have a you know a, you don't want it to be a five thousand word tome that only a small segment of the population can read. But you also want to jam everything in there. So, I mean, the other thing that I didn't know about Andrew Kopp is that initially he he didn't make the U.S. national junior team, and uh, when they had an injury at, the, at a younger level, uh, he went and filled in a filled in in a tournament and did great and then they wanted him to to commit full time but Andrew faced one of these really tough life choices early on and because of the way the you know he was part of the first program at 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 the school he didn't want to turn his back on on the football team which basically had its offense revolve around his quarterbacking skills and I mean that was a very early and tough life lesson for a guy who's from Ann Arbor. The program is basically in his backyard. He'd wanted to play for him. And I mean, he took a pretty big risk in saying no uh, to the national development team. And at the end of the day, I think the, the, you know, the player development folks certainly realized why he was doing it. And it ended up being more of a badge of honor that people understood that he didn't want to quit on his commitment. So when it came to his grade 12 year, uh, the U.S. National Development Team allowed him to do both. Uh, they were willing to allow him to play football and then play hockey as well. But, I mean, the other part about Andrew is that 
I didn't know this either. He was a walk-on at the University of Michigan. Uh, he had a couple of other offers, but I mean, in order to play for his hometown team, the team he dreamed of, uh, you know, playing for, he basically had to go as a non-scholarship player. I mean, in his mind, he felt it wasn't going to last long and that he would earn a scholarship. But man, again, he had to do it the hard way. And I mean, that's how Andrew Kopp has basically been living since he was 16 years old, which which makes it, you know, a lot more of, you know, allows you to understand his road and his path. And I mean, it even takes me back to, to a lot of his feelings about the arbitration case and how, I mean, Andrew's always had to prove himself at every level. I mean, on the ice, he's had to, he starts as a guy low on the depth chart and guess what, before you know it, because of his smarts and his skill set, he's playing higher in the lineup uh, each and every year. And that, that's something that uh, happened with Red Berenson. It happened uh, with Danton Cole when he was the coach of the national development team. And uh, it, it's happened with Paul Maurice as well, where Andrew came in as a fourth line player. And lo and behold, at the start of this year, he started on the second line before being reunited with his uh, most frequent line weight uh, in Adam Lowry. So uh, just a super fun story to, uh, to put together. And it, it's always great when, a player is open to that kind of story, and I you know, basically sat down with Andrew for um, 15 to 18 minutes on a on a quiet Monday, and uh, it just was great to sort of walk down memory lane and and learn some of the additional hardships maybe that he had to endure. I mean, I, I understand that adversity is an overused word in in both the sport that we cover and in our business, but uh, I mean, it's legit when it comes to Andrew Kopp, and I think that's why. He's appreciated every step of the journey a little bit more than than maybe a first round pick might, uh, because the path is a little bit more of a straight line path for for those guys in in a lot of cases anyway. Well, yeah, and on Winnipeg Jets, there are a lot of first round picks. Your your stereotypical NCAA to NHL player was so good, so young that he was a scholarship player, and that things were made easy for him at the collegiate level and all of those sorts of things. And um, I didn't know he was a walk on until. I was talking to Andrew this past Saturday uh, leading up to the Philadelphia game on Sunday and he was just telling me how excited he was about your piece and uh, then he mentioned that to me and I'm like, oh, well, that that is an interesting look and um, for him, what he said that day on, on Saturday was that it gives him optimism that he has more room to grow yet. Uh, you know, the, the aging curve says whatever, 23 to 28, that, those are peak years, 25, that's roughly a peak but in the amount the, the way that he's had to go about his career and he considers himself a late person to commit to hockey, um, I think he still sees himself as, as growing each and every year. And we know from talking to him what his hockey IQ is like. I, I just wrote a piece about second quick and the Jets' defense of an offensive zone that basically he wrote by being, uh, by being perceptive and speaking kind of at a level that he knew that I would understand and we'd be able to translate to readers and everything like that. He... His coach, Paul Maurice, talks about him not needing to consult video or being able to recite plays uh, from who knows when uh, just off the top of his head. He does sort of convey the sort of player that might diverge from the aging curve just a little bit just on account of his hockey IQ. On the yeah, and the other part of that too, Marat, sorry to no, interrupt. Go ahead, go I mean, ahead. His, the, the way that his relationship with Mark Shifley has evolved and, and becoming roommates and all of those things and, and pushing each other and... Uh, having really candid conversations. I mean, I think it's, you have, there's so much willingness to get better and to learn. And I mean, they're always wanting to push forward and, and find a new 
you know, piece of the arsenal, if you will, and trying to become better. I mean, Mark Scheifele, we're seeing it this year. I mean, we talk so much about Jack Rosovic and his cutbacks, but Mark Scheifele's ability to fight off a defender down low below the goal line, uh, I feel like that's one of the biggest new weapons in his arsenal this year, and that's really allowing him to to elevate his offensive game again to that next level. And we know that Andrew, you know, now getting or having a piece of the power play before getting hurt. I mean, it's a it's been an impressive uh, you know trajectory or career arc to watch, and I really feel like the best is yet to come uh, uh, in terms of his play moving forward. And obviously, tough tough break for him uh, with that injury. It sounds like could be at least four weeks and if it's in that four to six week uh, window that probably means it's separated shoulder slash collarbone issue just on that awkward collision with uh, Jordan Stahl along the boards where it looked like he got the better of the hit but I uh, just kind of went into the board so awkwardly that uh, he was you know suffered an injury because because of it yeah what a shame on that third line that had been going so well that in within the scope of a week you've got Andrew Kopp and Matthew Perot on the IR and you had that goal where Perot uh four checks against Philadelphia Lowry passes it back to the point Pionk fires it over Spiza and Spia launches Spiza launches a rocket these guys have begun to click and and they're they've found some results on the ice as well too and then all of a sudden you know, Winnipeg has a lot of guys who can finish, but guys who sort of specialize in that puck possession, um, two-way game uh, style of play or, or who make plays at, in all three zones of the ice, well, that that's a specialty unique to, I think, players like Kopp and uh, Pro maybe to a little bit of a lesser degree, but still. And now Winnipeg's got to scramble a little bit, and up comes Harkins, and up comes Mason Appleton. Uh, the waiver claim of Eric Comrie, we can get to that in a little bit, but... In sure. a short span, the bottom six of uh, of the Winnipeg Jets has completely rolled over. I don't I don't know where they go from here. Like that, that's a tough tough look for a team whose forwards are doing a, a really good job defensively and helping out their inexperienced, untested, whatever you want to call the the defense so far. I think the forwards have covered a lot of ground, and and this is a significant blow. Sure, and I mean the, the most you know the most obvious piece of that puzzle is that now the you know the the grouping that will be going up against the opposition's top offensive players now now it goes back to the responsibility of Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler on their respective lines and and we know that even though they are working hard in those areas uh, I mean their forte is at least primarily on for the wingers are as offensively gifted players so. Uh, that that becomes twofold. That becomes your best defense is a good offense, but it also means that the renewed commitment to that defensive game needs to be there from the wingers as well. We know that Blake Wheeler has done an excellent job, uh, you know, without not cheating and being on the defensive side of the puck and doing all of the all of the necessary things uh, to flourish in that role. And Mark Scheifele has been doing a nice job in his 200 foot game as well. But when you're going up against the top offensive uh, line of your opponent, now those challenges become a little bit, a little bit stiffer because, especially at home, we know that Andrew, Adam Cop, or sorry, try again, the combination of the two, uh, Andrew Cop and Adam Lowry, were handling that responsibility for the most part. So, yes, Lowry's line, you know, now will, it will start with Mason Appleton and Gabriel Bork. I mean, that's a different look for sure. But I mean, it's also a huge opportunity. For Mason Appleton, who, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, just had 
some bad timing of his own. And if he hadn't been hurt in the, you know, with the un- unfortunate uh, football injury at the Heritage Classic, he would have had a fine time to establish himself uh, at least on the fourth line and maybe part of the penalty kill and all of those other things. But now he'll have that opportunity to do so, or at least he'll get, he'll get one of the first opportunities and uh, see where it goes from there. I mean, I think it's been pretty obvious that Nick Shore has been a, a nice addition for the Jets. Uh, he played a little bit over 12 minutes in his last game against Carolina uh, because partly because Cop had left the game, and we know he can play wing, you know he can play center, and he'll start at fourth-line center today. But, I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him bumped up to the wing at some point. But uh, I think it's a huge opportunity for Appleton, who I think is a, a very solid uh, option for the third line uh, in that long-term mode. I think I thought he was a really good candidate to fill in for Brandon Tanev after he left in free agency, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, whether it was a you know just a up and down or mediocre camp, uh, he found himself more of an in and out role on that fourth line uh, before the injury happened. And you know, Mason Appleton has had to grind uh, to get where he is. He looked like he was going to become a full-timer late last year or last year and then Kevin Hayes arrives at the trade deadline and the Jets add a couple defensemen and lo and behold he's back with the moose so uh, again a guy who's had to work hard and earn everything he's gotten and I think this is a huge opportunity for him uh, to reestablish himself a as a regular and and b as a guy who can maybe give you a little bit more and I'll be very curious as to see where Jansen Harkins fits in I, I think we will see him in the next little bit here uh, I, I don't think the Jets just called him up as insurance. I know some folks on social media were surprised immediately, but this is not uncommon for Paul Maurice. He likes to have a guy, especially when he's getting his first NHL call-up, to be around the team for a few days, have a practice or two, get used to the pace, and go from there. And that doesn't apply in the same direction to Mason Appleton because he's a more experienced player at this level. So I think that that's important. I mean, for me, I thought there was a good chance that Maurice would have put both young guys in. I thought that he could have easily put uh, Harkins immediately into the lineup for maybe someone like Luoto, who hasn't been playing a whole lot. Uh, but again, I think Maurice explained it today. He also said part of that equation is that you have one player coming in already and then Harkins as a first-timer probably... You're so eager that maybe the positional stuff, you try a little bit too hard and maybe that hurts you on that front. So I would expect that we see him either on Saturday in Minnesota or Monday against the Montreal Canadiens. And having spoken to Jansen Harkins today, uh, he's incredibly eager and excited to get that first opportunity whenever it does come. I mean, he's having an outstanding year, seven goals, 31 points. He just continues to evolve in his game. He's, He's really flourished since being moved back to the middle uh, which is his natural position, but uh, he's ready to play uh, wherever <laughs> wherever he's asked to play uh, in the coming days. And I, I think he has the potential to, I think he has the potential to become an NHL player eventually. I mean, he has become, the he, for a while, kind of became the forgotten man of that 2015 excellent draft class. And uh, it was obviously premature for anyone to write him off. And he's done an incredible job to to get his game in order. And, you know, he had 15 goals last year and he's really, elevated his game and I'm I really think that his he's always had the smarts and he's worked on his skating and he's worked on his shot uh, I think that he has the ability to kind of blossom into a and an NHL or I mean, it may not be right now or he may not 
just stay up this time. He may need some more seasoning, but I think he's going to continue to push to to become an NHL player. And I'm, I'm curious what you think. I know you saw him play a couple times this year already, Murat. Yeah, this season for the Manitoba Moose, he's essentially been their Mark Shifley as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's above a point per game. That Those 31 points that you mentioned, he just tied his AHL career high in less than half the games that he reached it in last season. He did it in 30 games to get to 7 goals, 24 assists, 31 points in 30 games this season. It took him 70 a year ago. And the 2015 draft that you mentioned, um, my goodness, did Winnipeg do well. And we talk about other players like Kyle Connor and Jack Roslovic all the time from that, that group. But Jansen Harkins, okay, all right, making some ground. And it's, it's a, kind of an interesting thing that a lot of the guys that we're talking about today, we, talk, we started by talking about Andrew Kopp, move on uh, to Jansen Harkins, Mason Appleton, Tucker Pullman on the back end. There's so many different players on the Winnipeg Jets who have made massive year-over-year leaps in their development. Uh, And I guess obviously that's why they're having success, and that's why these are the ones we're talking about. But it's been a good look. And sometimes you expect, for example, with Mason Appleton, you expect, okay, he's made a massive leap every season since he got drafted, uh, became an AHL leader and star to, to a certain degree, became an NHL tweener. And this is all from a very, very deep spot in the draft. And you expect maybe he's going to do it again this season. Where can he go? And I think it was very reasonable to think that, you know, a third-line landing spot for him would be good. And now with Jansen Harkins as well taking the massive leap, now we're starting to project further into the future as well. It's... Whenever things are getting better, it's an exciting time of life when you can sort of project forward and see these guys. And with Jansen Harkins, to go back to the question that you actually asked me, he, at the AHL level, he, he's a complete player as far as I'm concerned and just one of the drivers on that team. Very curious to see what, he, what he's able to bring with him to the NHL. There's an old kind of general rule for me um, that if, a, if an AHL player is rattling off about a point per game by about age 20, you can lean pretty hard on them that they'll probably be a top six player eventually. That's just a hard and fast. It doesn't apply to everybody, but it would have applied to players like Roslovic and Connor and some others. Um, Harkins is a little bit behind that in terms of his age, but the level that he's reached at 22 is, is certainly inspiring. So maybe there's some middle six or, or bottom six NHL time in his future, and I'm excited for him to, to get his spot. I did want to mention, uh, given that Winnipeg's playing against Chicago tonight, and uh, Andrew Kopp, uh, as part of the interview that went into to my piece that went today about second quick and the Jets strategy, he called Patrick Kane the most difficult player to close in on as a second help layer of defense in the entire world. I said, what about Connor McDavid? He's like, no, Connor McDavid is the best out-of-control player in the world, but Patrick Kane, calmly on the half wall with the puck on his stick, was the most dangerous player in control on the entire planet and that's quite the compliment winnipeg's playing against chicago tonight and if you want insight on that and on more chicago blackhawks news check out lazen powers which is where our the athletics mark lazarus and scott powers among the originals scott powers at the athletic at large they bring you a twice a week podcast on the blackhawks covering everything that's going on in chicago including kane taves and the next wave as well uh that uh, so relevant if you're looking to get ready for the game tonight. Ken, when we get a chance, and that might have to be after the break here, I want to I commend you for something because there's been some speculation around Paul Maurice and his future 
with Seattle Expansion Club and you did the right thing and you asked questions and you found answers and, and there's a, a whole new wave of information that we have, or at least we have his thoughts on, on, on Winnipeg. And I'd like to get to that uh, as soon as we get a chance as well. But for now, I think we're going to have to save that and tease that. Um, this has been the boarding pass with Ken Weeb and me, Murata Tesh. Please rate and subscribe to us on Apple. Um, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic already, make sure you go to theathletic.com slash theboardingpass because you're going to get 40% off your subscription to The Athletic where you get all the NHL, NFL, all of the sports. I, I don't know why I named two. There's so many. And of course, if you want to hear the full version of this podcast where we're going to go a little bit longer, we're going to talk about the uh, Paul Marie speculation, some Dustin Bufflin news, and more, make sure that you subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, for Ken, I'm Murad. Thanks for listening to The Boating Pass.